Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I'm your host, as always, Tony Defio. And I am so glad and thankful that you're joining me on this rather lovely Friday night in Pittsburgh. It's 50 degrees. I'm sure it won't last. In fact, I know it won't, but I will take what I got today and, and savor it until it until it's over. And I'm sure and I hope wherever you are in Steelers Nation, whether it's Pittsburgh or somewhere else. I hope it's just as warm, maybe even warmer. But if it's colder, hey, it's almost March, right? Or it's at least we're inching closer towards March, which to me is, uh, you know, that's where uh, that's where springtime usually uh, hits. Hopefully this year sooner rather than uh, later. But before I get started, I'd like to encourage you all to please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We bring you live shows each and every day and night, including the show and The Hangover, Steelers Preview, Steelers Post Game. see, what's it called now? Is it called uh, The Curtain Call with, with Michael Beck and Jeffrey Benedict? Touchdown Under, The Scobro Show. We have uh, just a whole host of live shows for you to check out on YouTube and, of course, on Facebook. You can catch those live. As they come out, which if you're watching on uh, Facebook right now, hello. And I, as I always say, please be nice on Facebook. It's Facebook, you're a little meaner. I'm not going to lie. You're a little meaner than you are on YouTube. Although YouTube, YouTube has its moments too. And if you can't catch those shows live, you can, you can always catch them on any audio platform after the fact. I enjoy iHeartRadio. I love iHeartRadio, but you can catch them on Spotify, uh, Google, you name it. You can find our live shows after the fact on any audio platform. We also have an audio only platform of shows, including from the cutting room floor, what Ian's talking about live Mike, the stat geek, let's ride the very popular. Let's ride. So we have those shows for you to check out each and every week. So please do. So before I continue, I also want to ask you to please check out Behind the Curtain, the editorial side. We bring you news, commentary, film breakdown. It's just a great uh, site and a, a great uh, podcasting platform. So please check us out whenever you can, whether it's in written form or uh, live like this or in, uh, in audio form. It's, it's, it's your one-stop shop for all your Steelers needs. It's, your, it's the hardest working Steelers site out there. It's certainly my favorite. I've been with them since... Wow, 2010, man, it's a long time. I'm almost as long as Big Ben was was uh, with Pittsburgh. So maybe it's time for me to to uh, eh, I'm not gonna say that. All right, Let's see what we have in the live chat. Who was number one in the live chat tonight? Sean Manahan. That's a that's an underdog. Uh, usually it's a it's a, a Jared Devil or or, or or somebody like that, but or Steeler Chick 46. But no, tonight it was. Sean Manahan, who gets the gold star for being number one. So welcome. Welcome to Sean. Welcome to Jared Devil. Welcome to Brad Jewett. Shane Giggles, always a uh, favorite name of mine. Steelers Pittsburgh. Brian Brown. And that's it for now, but it's a, it's a, it's a good group. So obviously, as the title suggests, finally, 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 T.J. Watt was named Defensive player of the year for 2021. And that occurred on Thursday night as he was uh, presented with 
the award by his brother, J.J. Watt, who certainly has won his share of Defensive Player of the Year awards. And it was a long time in coming for for T.J. Watt. And, and, and uh, you know, we've always said he's one of the best defensive players in the NFL because he is one of the best defensive players in the NFL. And this award, uh, it, it cements that. So – it was uh it was one heck of a season for him in 2021. I mean, he obviously the 22 and a half sacks, but he had 41 quarterback hits. I mean, the, the his 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 pressure rate. You know, Mike Tomlin talked about that at the end of the year. It's just it's just off the charts. And and uh, when you, when you consider the fact that that he did what he did in 2021 without Bud Dupree, who you know some say. Dupree helped Watts. A lot of more people say Watt helped Dupree. Either way, they were in uh, one incredible tandem for a few years. And uh, to be without Dupree last year, I'm not taking anything away from Alex Highsmith. I think he's he's an up-and-coming talent at outside linebacker, and I think he could be uh, where uh, Dupree was by the time he reached his, uh, his uh, best years in 2019 and 2020. But he's obviously he's still coming along. So to do that without Bud Dupree, with uh, – to it and Alulu out all year. Uh, Devin Bush struggling. Uh, who else were they out with? Uh, Mike Hilton wasn't there. So, I mean, uh, there are a lot of components to that defense that made it so great in 2019 and 2020. We're not there last year. You know, I think it was still overall a fairly uh, potent uh, uh, pass rush. I mean, they had 50 plus sacks again, but it wasn't what it had been in uh, previous years. So for him to do what he did, it, it, it was an extraordinary effort, and and he certainly deserved to be named Defensive Player of the Year. And uh, wow, I mean, when, when you look at his his uh, his career arc up to this point, his it, it's just amazing what he's been able to do. I mean, that, that that first year he had one of the best stat lines in the NFL, his rookie year, twenty seventeen. Uh, you know, he had seven sacks, a number of. Um, number of pass breakups, forced fumbles, tackles. I mean, uh, he was great in pass coverage and he's just gotten better and better and better each and every year. And, and, you know, last year, you know, there, there was concern. Well, first of all, there's a lot of concern that, that, you know, they'd be able to sign him because, you know, I think everybody was kind of, had kind of resigned themselves to the fact that he was going to not only want big money, but big guaranteed money. And eventually Basically, on, on the eve of, of uh, the twenty twenty one season, they they the two sides came to an agreement, and Watt had that mega deal worth eighty million guaranteed, plus if he you know fulfills the length of the contract. So, uh, but I mean, he lived up to it, and then some. I mean, he's he had an even better year than he did the previous two years, which were extraordinary and which were worthy of a defensive player of the year consideration and possibly winning that award so yeah you know what is he 27 now 26 27 so i mean you figure he has a few more prime years left before he you know isn't supernatural anymore hopefully still really really good but not supernatural i mean you can't the the, the pace he's on is just incredible and you know as far as the steelers uh history he's gonna he's, he's gonna shatter the uh the sack record uh, by James Harrison. Yeah, I think he has about 10 to go. He's at 72 and a half now. So if he has a few more 
well, one more. I mean, he's, he should do it next year. If he, if he doesn't do it next year, it's, it's either he's either injured or it's a, it's a, it's a horribly bad year for for TJ Watt. <laughs> so um, he's gonna he's gonna break it next year more than likely. And uh, you know, when all is said and done, he's gonna shatter their record. I mean, he's I mean, even last year, even though those uh, those historians, those NFL historians, went back and did the the, the film research, um, which allowed. Pro Football Reference to to sort of update the sack totals of, of players like Mean Joe Green and L.C. Greenwood, you know those legendary players from the '70s, White White, those kind of players. Uh, I mean, he's already right there with them, even with that, even with those unofficial numbers added in, thanks to that research last year. So, you know, when 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 he's done, I mean, he's probably if he doesn't wind up with 150 or so sacks, that that sort of neighborhood. With the likes of uh, Kevin Green and Michael Strahan, I'd be very shocked. And of course, if he keeps going at this rate that he's going right now, uh, he's going to challenge Bruce uh, Smith in his 200. So he's the all-time leader, by the way. In case you didn't know that. So I mean, uh, T.J. Watt is just—it's just incredible what he's been able to do since he stepped foot on the football field for the first time. I mean, we saw at the very first. Uh, preseason game against the Giants. I mean, he had what, a couple of sacks. You know, Mike Tallin called him a, a one rep learner, meaning he picked up things right away. And uh, you know, when, when you when you look at all the extraordinary outside linebackers the team has had, and I'm not even talking about guys like like Andy Russell and Jack Ham. I'm talking about since they really converted over to a three four in the early '80s, uh, starting with guys like Mike Merriweather, and you know, working your way up to you know Brian Hinkle, of course, and then of course uh, Lloyd and Kevin Green and 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 uh, Joey Porter, uh, James Harrison, uh, Jason Gilden, who was the sack leader for so many years, and that poor guy gets got kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But he was he was their all time sack leader for 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 a number of years. Um, oh gosh, there's so many. <laughs> uh, um, who's the guy that got hurt towards hamstring? Anyway, Lamar Woodley, you know, those extraordinary, extraordinary uh, uh, outside linebackers that they've had. And for him to be doing what he's doing right now, and obviously, again, going to sh- shatter the team's all time uh, record for sacks in a career and, pro- and, and possibly challenge the, the, the all time leaders in the NFL, it's just amazing. It's just, it's just amazing. Uh, the kind of player he is, and, and and boy, if you had to do that 2017 draft all over again, it, it'd be hard. You know, Patrick Mahomes would probably be number one because you know you need a quarterback, but it'd be hard to um, for to, for Watt to make it past the second pick. I would think. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just it's just you know, obviously you want that quarterback, but you need that guy who gets after the quarterback, and and nobody does it better than T.J. Watt right now, and and nobody has done it better than him for the last few years. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what, what, where he goes from here. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to rest on his laurels. He said as much on, uh, on Thursday night when he, when he accepted the, the award and that wonderful, after that wonderful moment with his brother, uh, that hug they shared on stage. So, uh, he's gonna, you know, I have no doubt he's going to keep uh, going and, and keep trying to be the best because he kind of, he strikes me as the kind of player just like Cam Hayward and and um, 
you know, Aaron Donald and, and, and those kind of players. Yeah, they're great. And, and, and in the case of, of Watt and, and, and Aaron Donald, they're generational talents, but you know, they want to win. They, they want that ring. They want that Lombardi trophy. Cause I think it would, you know, obviously a Super Bowl does so much for a player's legacy. Yeah. Quarterbacks, but certainly uh, all time greats at other positions too. So, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident that barring injury, uh, TJ Watt's going to, going to um, continue to, to wreak havoc and be su- supernatural for as long as he, he can. He's not going to rest on his laurels. He's not going to get fat and lazy and all the, all these other things that people always fear when, when, when these football players or, or athletes in any sport, when they sign the big contract, he still has a lot to play for. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's got some, uh, some records to, to attain and to, and to, um, into into possibly break and and uh of course he maybe maybe has a few more uh defensive player of the year awards uh to win you just don't know and uh speaking of that it's one of uh you know th- th- there were people who were upset the last couple of years when um uh, when watt didn't win the uh that award but i think it's uh it's 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 important to remember that he hasn't been operating in, in a vacuum since he came into the league. I mean, he came into the league pretty much right when Aaron Donald was entering entering the prime of his career. And we know what Aaron Donald is, and, and he's already a first ballot Hall of Famer. How many? Uh, was he have three or four? I think he has at least three. He's he's just incredible. So, you know, when people say, and then, you know, you have other, other uh, great defensive players over, over the last few years, like Stefan Gilmore, who won it, uh, Miles Garrett, who's, who's uh, uh, been in the running in the past, certainly an extraordinary defensive player, a pass rusher. So, you know, when, when people say what should have won it the last couple of years, I, I don't think you could ever say that when you have a player like Aaron Donald in the league, you know, Aaron Donald is mean Joe green, uh, 2.0. I mean, he's that dominant. You watch that guy, you know, he, he's on the inside. He's an, an interior lineman. So maybe he doesn't necessarily always stand out in the highlights or if you're watching a Rams game live, but I mean, if you pay attention, I mean, he, he wrecks everybody he goes up against the guy's just incredible. Uh, I remember my uncle texted me a few years ago when he was watching a Rams game and he said, Aaron Donald is unblockable. And that's, I mean, he's not saying anything that we all don't know. He is unblockable. You know, I mean, obviously people have their, their moments against him. I'm not going to say he's, he's uh, immortal, but I mean, the guy's an extraordinary player. And, and uh, had he won the award this year, even though, uh, Watt was the overwhelming favorite going in. Had he won it this year, it would have been hard to argue. It's, it's always going to be hard to argue against Aaron Donald uh, when he wins that award. And you could say the same thing about TJ Watt the past few years. You, you, you wouldn't be able to argue against – it would be hard to argue against him winning it in 2020 or 2019. That's just how good Watt is. But, again, same with Aaron Donald and, and a few other defensive stalwarts in the NFL. So it's not a matter of, of, of should – because I don't think you could say that when, when, when Aaron Donald's around uh, you can't say should nobody should ever when, you know, the word should 
should not be used. Deserved is the right word to use. And TJ Watt certainly deserved it this year. And you could say he deserved it last year and the year before. But then again, so did the players who won it or or who were in consideration. You know, so uh, when you're talking about an award that is voted on, obviously, as most awards are, you know, this, this, to act like it's, it's this uh, cut and dry thing and that this guy should have three uh, Defensive Player of the Year awards by now, that's, you can't say that. You can't say that. I mean, you know, they're, they're, Again, Aaron Donald is the first ballot Hall of Famer already. Whether he wins a Super Bowl or not, he's if he retired on Saturday, the day before the Super Bowl, and said, I'm done playing, he's going into Canton on his very first try. That's who Aaron Donald is. So so it's not a matter of should, it's a matter of deserved. And and TJ Watt deserved that award, but so did Aaron Donald if he would have won it. So those are my thoughts on TJ Watt. I'm uh I'm really thrilled for him. And I know a lot of other Steeler fans are. I mean, according to according to Twitter and Facebook and blogs, it was like they were living vicariously through TJ Watt. And, and <laughs> if he didn't win that award, it was going to ruin their day. So I'm finally glad, just for him, really, because I think he's that great of a player that he was finally able to, to get that award. But the important thing, more more than these awards, is is uh uh continuing to, to be the uh, the wrecking ball that he's been as an, as an overall player, really, but especially as a pass rusher since he came into the league. So, you know, and he joins a select group of Steelers players. Uh, obviously, Mean Joe Green won it twice, 72 and 74. Uh, Mel Blunt won it, I believe, in 75, or was that 76? Uh, Jack Lambert won it uh, in that time frame. Rod Woodson won it back in 1993. Uh, of course, James Harrison won it. He was probably the most famous winner <laughs> of that award because of his, his story and, and, and the 100-yard interception return in the Super Bowl. And the fact that they won the Super Bowl, and that was the most recent one. And, of course, Troy won it. Troy Polamalu won it in 2010. So it's a it's quite a, uh, a select uh, group to be a part of if you're T.J. Watt. It just, you know, it just – He's already an all-time Steeler great. Now the question is, can it be an all-time NFL great? And that will be determined if he keeps uh, on how he he continues to perform uh, as he enters his late 20s into his early 30s. And I, again, I'm fairly confident he he's going to uh, do whatever he can to be the best player that he can until he can't do that anymore. But yeah. All right. The Steelers lucky to have TJ Watt. Aren't Steeler fans lucky to be able to see a guy like that do his thing? I mean, it's like Lawrence Taylor, you know, all over again. I mean, that's the kind of player Lawrence Taylor was in his day, as far as outside linebackers were concerned. And that's what TJ Watt's doing right now. The, the, the stuff he's doing, the pace he's on, it's actually kind of, you know, almost scary if you're, if you're, <laughs> if you're the uh, opposing teams right now. So, Opposing offenses, I should say. So, about TJ Watt and about that 2017 draft. That's the next thing I wanted to touch on. And I was, uh, I was kind of laughing to myself Thursday night, or not even laughing to myself. I was laughing on Twitter and making smart Alec remarks. But on, on Thursday night and on Friday, all throughout the day, all these people out there, you know, 
you know, these these old old tweets exposed, these old horrible takes exposed from the past. There was this one person, I guess he's a media guy. I didn't really recognize the name, but he had a lot of followers. So it's easy to find uh, old bad takes from people like that. And people were making fun of him and 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 other people who panned the TJ Watt selection back in 2017. Uh, I saw one old tweet that said, if he, if his last name wasn't what he would have he would have been a six round pick. Uh, somebody else said if he was really if people thought he was really that good or or close to as talented as his brother JJ was, then he would have been picked number one overall, like Eli Manning was when he came out a few years after uh, Peyton Manning did. You know because of the the bloodline and the reputation and et cetera et cetera. And I had to laugh at that because yeah. Fans, uh, these people were, they had old, horrible takes in the moment, but a lot of people did. I remember. I remember the reactions to T.J. Watt when he was drafted in 2017. And if I had to put a percentage on it as far as positive to negative, I'd say it was maybe 60-40 positive in favor of that selection when, when, when Pittsburgh selected him 30th overall in, in uh, 2017 out of Wisconsin. A lot of people were, were worried about, you know, he, he didn't have a, he had no bend. I think that was a, a popular, a more popular term back then than it is now, but he, he didn't have the adequate bend that you wanted to see out of a pass rusher, an outside linebacker. He didn't have enough experience. He was a tight end. Uh, and then he converted over to outside linebacker. So, you know, it was a risk. And again, the only reason why he was picked is because he was a Watt brother. And, and uh, you know, and obviously that was, that was, uh, he proved everybody who said those kind of things wrong. And he did that in a mega way. So a lot of people were, were down on the TJ Watt selection, but you don't see those old takes exposed because you don't really have to worry about that. If you don't have a lot, a ton of followers like me, I don't have a ton of followers relative to these big media personalities. So, you know, I have a lot of, horrible takes in the moment like oh this guy sucks or this guy's gonna be great and it turns out to be completely false like i was really high on jarvis jones at one point thought oh this is a uh a plug and play player and obviously i was way off on that so but i think it should be a a, sort of a lesson a cautionary tale for Steeler fans and maybe some in the media that you can't like just go off your rocker with every mock draft you see or when the real draft comes around in, in, in a couple of months and, and, and they make the pick, you know, you can't be, I, I, you're going to do it anyway, but you know, it would be nice if you didn't go on Twitter and do the whole God, no, you know, like somebody's like somebody just broke into your house and, and is chasing you with a machete. Please no. How can you do this? You know, like the, the, the talking absolutes that people do when, when, um, when they react to draft picks, like it's, really affecting them personally, you know, because again, like we all know, and it's cliche to say, we all know the draft is a crapshoot, right? Every, we say it every year. We say it all the time. We talk about the uncertainty. We talk about the, the, the hits and the misses. So why we go nuts, usually in a negative sense, when, when these players are picked, uh, you know, you, you would think that, we had never watched a draft before. Every year, the way we react 
collectively to these selections. Like you would think we never watched a pick, uh, a draft, you know? So uh, I just hope that's a, it would act as a nice lesson. TJ Watt, 30th guy picked in 2017. Uh, wasn't, uh, not too many people were, were it wasn't an overwhelmingly positive response. There were great concerns. A lot of people thought he would be he wouldn't be an impact impact player, and yet he couldn't he couldn't be any more of an impact player right now. So you have to remember that draft was the same draft that Patrick Mahomes was picked like ten spots behind Mitch Trubisky. So you just don't know about these things. So you have to let it play out, you know. And uh, maybe there'll be more of that this year. There'll be more reason thinking, logical thinking, logical reactions. I'm not going to put my money on it. I'm not going to put a prop bet on it like, like people are doing with the Super Bowl. But it would be nice to see. And that's really all I have to say about that. And I guess I really only have one more thing to talk about. And I covered it on Friday with my article. And that's the uh, promotion of Terrell Austin to defensive coordinator, was finally made official. It was long speculated he would he would be promoted from defensive backs coach to coordinator. And I think they made it official, was it on Wednesday? So, uh, yippee, right? To me, it makes sense. Because uh, when you have players like uh, TJ Watt and, and, and Cam Hayward and, and Alex Highsmith and hopefully Tewitt and Alu Alu back, uh, maybe a, a, a healthier Devin Bush. And, and, and you have the success that they've had in recent years with that defense. To me, it never made sense to, to make this radical change. You know, I mean, if because if, the, the biggest problems last year, and I think we all, we're all in agreement on this. Most people are in agreement that the Steelers' biggest issue last year on defense was – being able to stop the run. And it's almost a consensus agreement with everybody that had even a Lua Lube in there. I mean, yeah, it and Alua Lube together would have been great, but had a Lua Lube in there on that line all year or most of the year, then they would have done so much better against the run collectively as, as a defense. So to me, it, it made no sense to to make a radical change because it really it's it's been a relatively good defense since really since the you know the it's reportedly Mike Tomlin and you, you never get a a full like a, a definitive answer because it's such a secret for some reason but apparently according to people like Keith Butler the recently retired Keith Keith Butler Tomlin's been calling the defensive plays since as far back as 2014 now, I don't know if that's all the defensive plays or or just in or situationally, but he's certainly if you know what there's smoke, there seems to be fire in this regard. And he's been calling a lot uh, the defensive plays, at least on a uh, partial basis during games for almost a decade now. So uh, why that's why that it's a secret, I don't know. But if, if you want to maintain that kind of a si- system where you want your head coach where your head coach, or you, your head coach wants to, to uh, continue to do that, 
then it, it makes little sense to go outside and bring somebody, especially a big name, because a big name defensive coordinator like a uh, a Vic Fangino, Gino, he's going to want to do it all. Which you know you can't blame him if he's a, especially if he's a superstar and a veteran coach. But if this is a system you want in place where you want more of a collaborative effort, you want your coordinator to to coordinate throughout the week, and you want to uh, consult with him, and then on game day. You want the uh, the uh, the play sheet, the call sheet. Even though Tom Lambert has one of those, as far as I as far as I can remember, do we ever see him with that? I never do. Then to me, it, 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 it you, you try to keep things status quo and see how things work and see. Really, the the bigger issue is not who the defensive coordinator is in 2022 or who is calling the plays. It's what are you going to do about personnel. In certain situations, what are you going to do about the line? Is Tuit coming back? Are you bringing back a Lou? I would certainly hope both come back, but if one comes back, that that would go a long way in, in fixing some of these problems. What are you going to do with Joe Hayden? Uh, where, where are you at with James Pierre as far as uh, his progress? You know, he lost his job last last year at the end of the year to a Kilo Witherspoon. Where are you at with him? Do you, you want to bring him back? He's, he's a, you know, both Hayden and Witherspoon are free agents. So to me, if you figure out the personnel and, or if you bring new people in, if you address it with free agents or the draft, uh, obviously, you know, nothing's guaranteed, but you know, to me that, that, that would go a a long way in restoring this defense into the elite unit that it was particularly in 2019, but even in 2020. And I think that defense would have been much better down the stretch into the playoffs, if not for the, Injuries to Dupree and, uh, and and Bush. So, uh, speaking of you know, Bush, you know, is he going to be better in twenty twenty two? Is he is he going to be healthier? Is he is he going to take that step forward that they need him to take? So, that that's all going to go a long way towards making this defense into a, a dominant force again. Not so much who's calling the plays or who the coordinator is. So, that's my piece on uh, just about everything. Uh, I'm excited about the Super Bowl. Um, I, I, um, I don't really care. I thought I would have a rooting interest by now, but I really don't. I mean, I think e- either either winner would be pretty neat. Uh, for the Rams, it, it would be uh, the first Lombardi Trophy for the for the city of Los Angeles, right? No, no, I guess the Raiders won it in '83, but still, it'd be the first uh, time the Rams won a Super Bowl in the city of Los Angeles. So that'd be pretty cool. It'd be a, and obviously Matthew Stafford would be a great story. A bit of a redemption story. Uh, and Aaron Donald, I mean, my goodness, it would, I already said he's the first ballot hall of famer, no matter what happens, but I mean, it would certainly uh, cement his legacy. Uh, OBJ would own a Super Bowl ring, you know, which is something that Antonio Brown can't say. Or, or Randy Moss, you know, you're talking about diva receivers. Oh, I guess Antonio Brown can't. He did win last year. Never mind. Gosh, I forgot about the um, the whole uh, thing with Tampa Bay. But still, OB, OBJ owning a ring would be uh, would be uh, <laughs> incredible. And of course, the Bengals would be a great story. It'd be their first one. Joe Burrow would be a big star. He already is a star, but he, he would be a mega star after winning a super, especially if he's. Uh, the MVP of the game. I mean, he would be the new face of the league 
So, it, it, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I really don't care who wins. You know, last year I wanted the Chiefs to win. The year before I wanted the Chiefs to win. Um, obviously, the Patriots have been in a number of Super Bowls recently, and I always rooted against them. So it's been a while since I really didn't care all that much about who won the Super Bowl. Because I don't really have much of a problem with either team. You would think I would have a problem with the Bengals, as I've discussed in the past. I, but I don't. Not this current Bengals team. Um, if they keep beating up the Steelers like they've been the last uh, three meetings, then I guess I would certainly grow to hate them again. But right now, I really don't care. I think I think they're a nice a nice story. So I'm just looking forward to a great game. I'll be bowling when I. Uh, when the game starts and I'm going to try to head to a, a party for a little bit after, after bowling and, 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 and enjoy the game that way. So hopefully it's a, it's a memorable Super Bowl. Last year was a, uh, a, a rare blowout for, uh, for modern times. There was, there were a lot of years there were a blowout in the Super Bowl was a, uh, was almost expected. And then you had uh, an era where it was like one close game after another uh, then last year was a blowout, a, a rare blowout. So hopefully it'll be a back and forth contest uh, on Sunday. So looking forward to that. I hope you guys are too. Because once this game's over, unfortunately, football will be will be over for uh, seven months as far as that. On, on Well, six months, I guess, we, the preseason. But still, you know, and then it's going to be the offseason and free agency and the draft and quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Who are they going to? Are they going to sign somebody? Are they going to trade for somebody? Are they going to draft somebody? It seems like they're linked to a new quarterback each and every day. Uh, this week, the stars of, of this past week were Kyler Murray and Tyrod Taylor. Last week it was Jimmy G. Next week maybe it'll be Russell Wilson. Who knows? Maybe it'll be Mitch Trubisky. But I think these these uh, these anonymous sources just uh, throw out names because I mean. Let's face it, as Steeler fans, we're, we're just empty vessels when it comes to these uh, quarterback rumors. And whether it's a draft prospect or or, or a guy looking to be traded or or a veteran, you can name any any anonymous source can say, oh, yeah, what about Tyrod Taylor? He makes sense. Mike Tomlin said a veteran quarterback. He didn't say he wanted a, a high-end veteran quarterback. He didn't say Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, he just said a veteran quarterback. I think it's going to be Tyrod Taylor. Or, you know, Jimmy G last week said he 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 was going to seek a trade. So, naturally, the Steelers uh, were put in the mix. Kyler Murray uh, apparently took off all of his uh, – he eliminated all Cardinal stuff from his uh, social media platforms. Naturally, oh, Kyler Murray, a Steeler. And people react, you know, positively and negatively. To, you know, it's just – yeah, it's going to be a long two months in that regard, unless they go out and sign somebody at the beginning of free agency. And even if they do that, if it's not Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or you know somebody that you know could could be their their franchise quarterback for a couple of years, and then it's going to be the draft. Are they going to draft somebody? So it's never going to end. It's going to be speculation until the end of April, and then 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 there'll be fallout from that. So it's good. It's exciting, but. Uh, it's more exciting when when football is actually being played. So I, I I'm kind of I'm excited about the Super Bowl, but I'm also mourning the end of the season. 
And on that note, I will take some questions and comments to round out the show. Sean Manahan says, Jameis Winston. Yeah, we've talked about Jameis. He's another one who will be in the mix. Mark Malone says, Mason Rudolph should have been starting last year. Well, a lot of people don't want him to start next year. So uh, we'll see. Steel Chick 46 says, Kyler Murray is moody. Maybe he is. I don't know. Sorry, I think I froze there for a second. Anyway, Mark Malone says Mason should have been starting last year. Brian Brown likes Mason too, so there's two two votes for, for Mason Rudolph. Evgeny Crosby says trade a third rounder for Jimmy G, cut the Ken doll. I don't know who that is. Resign Juju, Witherspoon, Minka, draft the best O-line prospect. Okay. Well. Uh, that's a possibility. It's a lot. It's a lot uh, to take in, though. I don't know who the Kendall is. I, I assume it's Mason Rudolph. Could be Dwayne Haskins. I don't know. But I can't believe there aren't more people that are, that 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 aren't intrigued or that are intrigued. Is that the right grammar by Dwayne Haskins? Because speaking of somebody, you know, people are you know they they like Mitch Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, but you know Dwayne Haskins is a a recent number one pick, and you know, he, he had some starts in the league. I'm surprised more people weren't anxious to to, to see him because, quite frankly, I think if it's if it's a legit competition between Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins this summer, and there's no other quarterback involved, no legit quarterback anyway, I think Dwayne Haskins is going to win the starting job. So I can't believe there aren't more people who aren't predicting that Haskins will be the starter next year if it's between Haskins and Rudolph. People are just automatically assuming it's going to be Rudolph, but I wouldn't be surprised if Dwayne Haskins puts on a show this summer. Felicia Ballard says, sorry, I've always been Team Dobbs. Yeah, I guess he hasn't had, I mean, he's had some chances. He's had plenty of opportunities to if not, you know, to, to win that number two spot in Pittsburgh anyway, if not start. And he, then he, he went to Tampa and he didn't last long there. But I mean, you know, it's hard, it's hard for, for quarterbacks that aren't number one picks to, to get legit shots and, 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 um, and have uh, teams continue to give them uh, shots until, until they decide to move on. And, and, was a fourth round pick. So then you had, then they went out and drafted Mason Rudolph and Landry Jones was, was in the mix there for, for a minute or so during Dobbs time here. So he just really, unfortunately was the odd man, but he's still on the roster. So who knows? Maybe, maybe he'll surprise everybody. I mean, of the three quarterbacks, he's certainly the most mobile. He's certainly the most intelligent. Uh, He certainly knows the, uh, the playbook. I mean, he's, he was the guy that Ben always seemed to, to, have a conference with on the sidelines more so than Rudolph and Haskins, notably. So, you know, the, the supposed animosity between big Ben and Mason. So we'll see. I mean, maybe, maybe Dobbs will get a, maybe I'm writing him off too early. We'll see. He, Brian Brown says, I don't think Haskins is there yet. If Haskins can win the gig, I'll support him though. 
Well, I mean, he's going to get a shot. And again, unless they go out and get a legit quarterback, when I say legit, I mean uh, a veteran or or even a, a first round pick. Because a first round pick would have have the cachet of being a first round pick, and they would give him, uh, in my opinion, if it's a first round pick and Mason and, and Haskins, that first round pick is going to get a legit chance to win that starting job. At least he should. And Kenny Crosby said, "Big Ben knew that Mason Rudolph sucked, but I don't know if that's that's what it was. I think he he showed animosity, or at least a pro, he showed that he had a problem with that with the selection of Rudolph before he even set foot in Pittsburgh. So I just think he felt threatened by him. I think that was part of the the reason why. Uh, I mean, if he thought Mason Rudolph was horrible, I don't think he would ignore him. I, I don't think he would he would hate him. I just think he felt threatened by him." And this is why I always say this is why you don't bring somebody in as a first round pick and, and, and try to quote unquote groom them until the you don't do that until you don't bring a, a first round pick in until the, the, the big guy, whoever that big guy happens to be for whatever organization decides to retire or leaves. Mark Malone says, and he, I, I agree with Mark Malone. And again, wouldn't it be great if this was the actual Mark Malone who played in the 80s? Uh, Ben felt threatened by Mason playing and simple. And I kind of, I kind of agree with that. I do, but that's human nature. I mean, you think about it. You're bringing somebody in who they hope can take your job. And, and the faster this player shows any kind of potential, the quicker your bosses might be to move on from you. you know, so, yeah, I, I don't blame uh, these players for feeling threatened because you only get to play football for so long. Uh, should he have been a, a better teammate to Mason than he reportedly was? I would like to think so, but everybody's human, you know, and we know, and we really don't know what went on. We're never going to know. Maybe unless somebody writes a book someday. And even then who knows if it's accurate, right? Well, see this were, you know, uh, <laughs> Anyway, let's see what else we have here. Um, George Rice, he says, Brian, that's a, that's a new name. Welcome, George Rice. Welcome to the show. And he says, Brian Brown, what's the one thing successful teams have in common? It's great quarterback play, but you don't want the Steelers to, to have a good quarterback because Mason is not an NFL starting quarterback. See, the opinions are all over the place about Mason Rudolph. And you know what that means? That means he's a backup so far. And if you're a backup quarterback, if that's all you've ever been, then it's hard for people to – it's hard to have, like, any kind of a consensus opinion on on your ability. So, again, provided they don't bring in a legit quarterback this year, Mason Rudolph is going to get his chance, as is Dwayne Haskins. So – but that's a ways away yet. All right. Sean Manahead says, trade the first-round pick for an offensive coordinator who knows how to call plays. Well, strictly from a, a an outrage on, on the internet standpoint, I would love it. But practically speaking, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do that. But, you know, these, these are new times. Maybe maybe the, uh, maybe the, the, they'll, they'll, find, they'll land the biggest name out there. Brad Jewett, 
says, is Mason good? No. Has he proved he's not that good? Yes. Is he serviceable for a year for us to get the guy we want? Yes. Well, there you go. That's that's another uh, opinion about Rudolph is, is if he if you put him in there or or Dwayne Haskins, I would assume. Uh, if you put one of those guys in there for a year, then they're, they're automatically automatically going to have a bad year and and get a better draft pick in 2023. Silicic 46 asks. And since I'm uh, since I'm self-centered, I have to answer this question. It's about me. And she asked, "What's my bowling average, Tony?" It all depends on what, what night I bowl. Uh, Wednesday night, I'm like 163 or so, which is pretty good for me. And Sunday night, I think right now I'm about 150. Usually, I'm better on Sunday nights, but it's been a strange, strange uh, couple months for me as far as work. And my body was pretty beat up, so I'm starting to feel starting to feel back to normal. So my my bowling average is starting to improve. So we'll see what happens. Yep. Sean Manahan reacting to Brad Jewett. So Mason is good enough to tank. That's pretty much uh, what Brad is saying. <laughs> Shane Giggle says, and I kind of agree with this, even with Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins or some rookie quarterback. Uh, what did, I, I missed it. Here we go. Brian Brown. Or no, Shane Giggles. I, I, I screwed up. Anyway, Shane Giggles says, our D is too good to get us a, a top five pick. That's kind of been what I've been saying. You know, um, last year, you know, had they not had a lot of uh, so many um, fourth quarter comebacks by, led by Ben Roethlisberger, the defense might have um, been responsible for for a few losses, a few more losses, but yeah, I think if, if the defenses can figure some things out personnel-wise and get healthier, and I think even with below-average quarterback play, uh, this defense would be too good to keep this team from from winning, uh, I'd say, less than seven games. You know, which, you know, it's not going to get you in the playoffs, but it's not going to get you a top-five pick either. This is something that, you know, people just, Evgeny Crosby, who has some hard opinions, he says, uh, let's be honest anyway, the Steelers only really care about being over over 500. Super Bowls are a thing of the past. You sound like Mark Madden. I heard him say that on the radio today. I don't agree with that. Obviously, they want to win a Super Bowl. That's their goal. They proved that, I think, three years ago when they went out and traded a first-round pick for Mika Fitzpatrick following, you know, the week two injury to Roethlisberger. That forced them to miss the whole year. So I don't, I think they're, you know, fans are growing restless about their Super Bowl drought. And it's been 13 years. It's been half as long as it was the last time. So I think they know that the fans aren't going to accept just finishing over 500 year after year. They've already shown that they're not going to accept that. So I don't think that's the the deal. I think they, they want to win. Again, the last decade was kind of how the 80s went, but it was a little sexier because they were more competitive. They were caught in that post-Super Bowl malaise, and 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 the only difference between uh, the 80s and the 2010s is they had a bona fide franchise quarterback for the entire decade who was still in his prime, and that propped them up and, and helped them remain competitive, whereas in the 80s, Everybody of consequence 
pretty much with the with the exception of a few notable players like Donnie Show and Mike Webster and John Stallworth, they were all gone by like '84. So, uh, but you know the problem the re- the reason why uh, it's been a while is because that's what happens in sports usually. It's not about their goals. I think their goal is always to win a championship. And on that note, I think I will call it a night. It's, it's about that time. Had a good show tonight. I had a fun show and I had a fun time talking to you guys and I hope I put on a good show for whoever is listening afterwards. So enjoy that game this weekend. Um, I'll talk to you on Monday on the hangover with Brian and Shannon White. In the meantime, have a great weekend and go Steelers. Good night, everybody.